Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Alexander Audio, and today my guest is Joni Mercer, an Alexander Technique teacher in Austin, Texas. She's been a teacher uh, for over 35 years, and like myself, she studied uh, quite a bit with a, a, a well-known Alexander Technique teacher, Marjorie Barstow, who lived almost her entire life in Lincoln, Nebraska. <laughs> and um well except for 2 years before she arrived and a few years in England when she trained to become a teacher um and we're going to talk today about Marge Marge's teaching and uh what made it so unique and um what we got from it and what I think it's fair to say our students are are indirectly getting from it Joni welcome to the show Oh, Robert, thank you so much for having me. Oh, this is this is going to be fun. I just yes. know it. Yes. Um, maybe a good place to start was would be your, we could sort of trade off a bit here. But what was your your first introduction to her, and what what did you make of her when you first met her? Well, I my first introduction to Marge was over the phone. I it was um, nineteen seventy. Four. Ooh, prehistory. Wow. And yeah. um, I had been getting rolfed. Uh-huh. Um, and, I, I, and I was also in a teacher training program to be um, a neo-Reichian breath release therapist and gestalt psychotherapist. And the man who was leading that program, because in that program we did hands-on work. We would touch each other's bodies. He says, you know, you've got something special in your hands. And I think you should actually turn in the direction of Alexander Technique. And I had no idea what that was. And I was talking to my rolfer, Drew Ford, about it. And he said, you know, I'm from Lincoln, Nebraska. That's where I grew up. And the best Alexander teacher in the whole world is in Lincoln, Nebraska. Wow. What a happy set of coincidences, huh? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I, I just got on the phone and I called Marjorie Barstow and I said, I want to come study with you. And she said, come on out. Yeah, I can just imagine that. Yeah, and when you first met her, uh, and you had your first uh, some oh. work with her, what what was your initial reaction to it? Well, I could breathe. Yeah. For the first time, you know, I was a swimmer when I was growing up, and I had just begun to swim again that summer when I went out to see Marge, but I wasn't very good at it anymore. And I remember before I met her and we were all at the, I think the DU house, the DU fraternity house, I went swimming at the University of Nebraska and I could barely do eight laps. Mm. And the first lesson with Marge, she, as we say, she took us up and she took me up and it was like I was home in my body mm. and my breath was, my breath was clean and easy and I just felt coordinated, and I felt like I could turn my head with so much grace. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I went swimming that that evening, and I swam a mile easily because my breathing had completely changed from one lesson. Yeah, yeah. I can, I can, I can totally uh, believe that. She, Marge, had extremely light but powerful hands. I guess I would say. Totally. You know, Robert, I remember one of my last lessons with Marge, and I think she was about 99. Uh, it and, would be 89, probably. Well, 89. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, 
she was sitting in a chair and yeah. she I was just standing next to her and she took my hand and she took my fingers. Yeah. And I just went right on up. And yeah. that was the strength of her intention and her direction. Yeah, her it, it, her final years, uh, she died in 1995 at the age of uh, almost 96, I believe. Uh, and her final few years, she was uh, homebound mostly. Um, she had home health uh, aides looking after her. And uh, but she taught un uh, right up until about a year, I would say, before she died. And it was as you described. She would often be sitting in a chair, and she would get if she did get up, there'd always be someone behind her to make sure she didn't fall backwards because she she was pretty the osteoporosis yeah. had really yeah. taken its toll at that point. Yeah. But um, she with just a, a touch, she could just produce incredible results and even uh one of the home health aides once asked me after a group of, a couple of people had been over there working with her she asked me is it is it possible that because i'm feeling a lot lighter right now <laughs> and, and and is it possible it has something to do with marge and i said yep entirely possible she kind of radiated direction i would say Absol she was so one-pointed. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a, an expression we use in, in spiritual, spirituality, but she, her intention, mm -hmm. that, that means that the intention was so clear, so mm -hmm. crystal clear right. that our direction would be up and, and grounded at the same time. Absolutely. Right. And, uh, you know, Robert, I, I would love to share a story with you. Sure. Because I had an experience with Marge that I think very few people have had, mm -hmm. which is Marge got angry with me one time. Mm. And um, you weren't the only person she got angry with, <laughs> by the way. But yeah, it, let me tell you, at the time, it really felt like it. Yeah. Um, and I'd love to share that experience. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we were at Washington University in St. Louis, and I was this, one of the people assisting her teaching in the uh, performing arts department. And I don't know if you remember Sid. Uh, I think it was Sid Friedman who was the head of the drama department there. He was very, very tall. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, I, he was very tall. Actually, I'm going to tell you two stories. Um, and I'll start with this one um, because it sort of leads up to the second one. And he was, I'm very... Uh, vertically challenged. I'm not even five feet. So, and he's about six five. So, I pulled a chair over. Uh oh, <laughs> I can see it coming. <laughs> <laughs> and Marge came over to me and she said, What do you think you're doing? And I said, Marge, he's so tall. And she said, Well, you just lengthen up. Yeah. And she worked on me while I reached up to work with Sid. Right. And it was incredible. But yeah. she was going to have none of me standing on chairs. It, this was pretty early on. Right. Now, the second, the second incident that happened at the same workshop in St. Louis was a little hairier. Um, we were in a graduate seminar. And the graduate, some of the graduate students started to really question Marge. And I felt very, very protective of her. And I started to 
intervene and protect her. And she gave me a look. And that was all I needed, just a look. And she stopped me. And then later on that day in the afternoon when we were all working, she came up to me and she started working with me. And she blasted me. And she she was working with me, so I was wide open. But she was talking to me in this very soft, very quiet, very deliberate voice about what I had done. And I, I mean, it was the best of all lessons. Of course, I went into the bathroom and I cried for about an hour afterwards. And it was such a great lesson in boundaries and in what's appropriate. And I left that day and I was, I was pretty, pretty um, torn up. Mm-hmm. And um, I was staying at my cousin's house in St. Louis and there was a phone call for me and it was Marge. And she invited me to come to tea the next day. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it was just such a lesson in being graceful yeah. and being well-mannered. Mm-hmm. And that's something that she taught her teachers. You know, we used to go to her house and we'd have meals. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the, the young men who came, they didn't have manners. And she'd have them setting the table. And she taught us how to be people in the world. Yeah, I think one thing that we should, in, in all fairness, should should say is that one of Marge's quirks, if you like, is that she did tend to be a lot harder on women than men. I don't know whether no. you ever happened to notice that, but um, guys could get away with more with her, in my experience. But that's just a kind of a, a side, a side uh, thing. Now, you know, one thing that's really I- intriguing about Marge, I think, is that, uh, you know, we've talked about how powerful her hands were, and they were, and in, in certainly in my experience, I've, I've never experienced anything like that from any other teacher. Um, but in fact, in fact, when she was teaching workshops, for example, she used her hands pretty sparingly. And her the emphasis of, of her teaching was until the very end of her life when there was a, 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 a seismic shift. But for most of her time I knew her, she was really emphatic about people taking responsibility for themselves and doing their own thinking and learning. And of course, she would use her hands to help help people with that. But she, the last thing she wanted was to have people dependent on her, on her hands. Oh, Robert, I think that's a, a totally accurate observation. And before this conversation that you and I are having, I was contemplating um, working with Marge. And some of the words that came to my mind were a delicacy of movement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She, she used to emphasize it's a delicacy. It's delicate. It's tiny. And her hands gave us just enough guidance and just enough information so that our own kinesthetic sense that that was within us joined with her intention and her touch and it was ours we owned it it wasn't something that was imposed on us 
Right. She used to say that um, that when she was using her hands, uh, she was, in a sense, doing our thinking for us, but it was just enough to get us to start doing our own thinking. Yeah. You know, it wasn't... Um, uh, it wasn't meant to be a long-term thing in a way. You were, she was showing you some possibilities and giving you some ways of thinking about how you might might get those yourself. But the, I would say, in her mind at least, the hands part, spectacular as it was, was secondary to you know, um... the verbal interaction that she would have with people. It was, and and sometimes she did go. Uh, I remember one time I asked her if she would give a table lesson, mm-hmm. and this was early on, and and everybody sort of gasped because right. Marge just didn't give table lessons, right. and she said, "Okay, why don't we just use the floor?" <laughs> right. And and I said, Marge, I want to know exactly what you're doing with your hands, and she said, "Well, I'm doing three things." I'm finding out what you're doing with your body. I'm helping you to stop the habits. And then I'm helping you to understand a new direction Mm -hmm. to take yourself. Right. And I thought, wow, you know, that's really great information to have. And then another time... um, I wanted to sing because everybody else was singing and I'd never done any singing in my life because everybody had always said I couldn't sing. I didn't have a good voice. And her touch was so delicate and so gentle and yet it took me into a a relationship and a space with my breath where I was singing. Mm -hmm. And then I almost passed out because I had so much air Right. And right. she used her hands to just sort of steady me, but it was so delicate. Right. Yeah. yeah. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. I mean singing as as you know, Oh yeah, the cowboy singer. I am the cowboy singer. Yeah. Singing um uh you know, we should say that in her workshops she pretty much worked with people doing various activities. It could be just sitting in a chair. But it typically would would change into walking or um, juggling, juggling anything. I mean, Absolutely. it was the, the, there there was no limit to what the activities were, and but singing uh, or anything musical uh, had a kind of um, special. It was almost like a special category because you knew that if you said I'd like to sing or play an instrument. Uh, it, it would immediately attract her attention because she enjoyed that. Well, she liked us to take this thinking into activity. Right. And singing and, and musical performance were, were, or dance or anything like that. Well, she loved being entertained. Yeah. She wanted you know? to be entertained. Exactly. So uh, out of a kind of um, a desire to get more hands-on work, a little end-gaining on my part, I, th- I thought, well, I'm not really a singer but 
I do love country and western, and I'm just going to get up and start singing some of the classics, and I'm not going to worry that maybe it didn't sound like uh, Hank Williams, but, um, you know, it was a way of getting work, and I enjoyed it, and it was something I would do in the shower at home, so, yeah. Well, and and, and another um, piece of this is that Marge was always asking us to go beyond. Yes. Mm-hmm. Go beyond. Go beyond. Take Wake a up. gambling chance. Take a gambling mm-hmm. chance. Now, something else that we haven't talked about is that Marge sang. Really? And Marge, yes. I Marge had no had, idea about that. Marge had a song that she used to sing because sometimes we would all get just a little bit too serious. Uh-huh. And Marge would say, well, I think we ought to take a break and sing a song. Mm-hmm. And she would sing this song about a peanut on a railroad track. Oh my God! Yes, I have heard that. Yeah, yes. yeah. And would you like me to sing it for yeah, you? Go for it. <laughs> okay. A peanut sat on a railroad track. His heart was all a flutter. Around the bend came number ten. Choo choo peanut butter. Yeah, and you can actually hear a student of hers singing that song on one of the videos uh, of Marge. It's well, uh, it, yeah, it would yeah, crack I remember us that. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would crack us up. It would, yeah. Um, Joni, anything else you want to say about March? Oh, just we that haven't touched you on? know, only that I could never thank her enough for what she's given me. You know that that I I invoke her every time I give a lesson and yeah. thank her in my heart because um, she's with me all the time. Yeah, you know, I could say a, this. I could say the same thing. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And, and Robert, I've even had dreams where she'll come to me and make corrections in my thinking. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I just think she's still, you know, she's in our hearts, and so she's still very, very present. And that she has made a contribution to the body of knowledge of the Alexander technique that's invaluable. Yeah, my my uh, theory uh, about her is that, um, you know, she was the first graduate of Alexander's first training course. And she came back to the States, worked uh, for several years as F-A-R Alexander. Alexander's brother was teaching in Boston and New York, and she she was his assistant for several years. And then she came back to Lincoln, I think at the eve of World War II. And... I always had this idea that, consciously or not, she was, uh, in a sense, dispatched by Alexander into an area far away from London, specifically to avoid all the junk that was going to happen in London after he died, or even while he was still alive. All the rivalries, the the nastiness... um, well, you know, she kept it pure. She kept it pure, and she developed it in a way that was, by the time I met her, which was the late ninety, late 70s, she had really developed a way of teaching that was extremely different from anything I had encountered in London. I was, I was halfway through my training course when I came over here to study with her, and I remember thinking, looking around at, at the workshop and thinking, you know, if Alexander showed up, um, 
and he was asked about it, he would say, oh, wow, this is certainly an interesting direction uh, Marge has taken. I hadn't really, I don't, didn't really teach that way myself very much, but I totally get what she's about, and I'm very, and in, very happy about it. Absolutely. Because she did, uh, if one thing you can say about Marge was sticking to principle was a very big aspect of her, her work. Well, you know, Marge, she still practiced Whispered Oz. She still practiced monkeys. And she taught us those things in a way that we could integrate them into our daily life and into our daily activity. Um, and, And that was the beauty of her teaching was that she really stuck to the principles and experimented. Exactly. That's exactly it. She... And she uh, said, we had to take it, we have to do it for ourselves. We have to discover for ourselves what Mr. Alexander discovered. Right. And we, and, have, to, we have to take chances and experiment. And the, that chapter, the, the opening chapter of Use of the Self, uh, Evolution of a Technique, is something that she was constantly referring to and constantly telling people to read it and reread it and reread it. And she had uh, a copy of it with the pages were practically falling out of the book and little notes in the margins. And the pa- and what she would sometimes say is the most important sentence in that chapter is the one where he's, where Alexander says, you know, I tried a great many things too numerous to mention here, and they didn't work. You know, mm-hmm. that idea that he, that that idea of the experimenter, who is both the experimenter and the experimentee, which mm-hmm. is a very tricky thing to be positioned mm-hmm. to be in, mm-hmm. and requires practice and skill. It's not like doing a physics experiment in the lab where you push a few buttons and then out comes the reading um you're you are observing yourself which yes you know and, is fraught with potential problems and one thing i want to say about that marge had humility mm-hmm. and i think that to observe oneself and work with oneself in the way that alexander did in the way that he taught marge one develops humility yeah she she had humility but she also was not um she was not afraid to say something like like sometimes after a workshop after i've been been out there for a while out in lincoln out in, out here for a while in lincoln she mm-hmm. uh, she said to me you know i think i did a pretty good job on well, that one there's you know? there's nothing yeah. lacking in humility about yeah. recognizing that we have greatness in us and she but she also was always trying to figure out how to do better. In fact, on one of the videos uh, that's a short excerpt from uh, a a workshop she gave in 1990, 1990-91, there's a a scene where she's starting out the class and she, or maybe it's an answer to a question, but she's saying, you know, last night I stayed up late thinking about how I could uh, answer that question better than I did yesterday. You know, that's, and that's I mean, you, that's how she, that's how she worked. She was always, always wanting to, to Im- improve her teaching and how 
she was able to convey the information and 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 in that regard i don't i don't know were you were you studying with her into the uh, mid 80s her oh yeah i studied i i the last time i saw her was in the 90s right well you know back in the early 80s some of those workshops got to be pretty huge uh, like there could be a hundred people in a room with her, about eighty-three, eighty-four, eighty-five yep. in there, and I used to wonder what she was going to do when when the number doubled or tripled, but in fact it, it that didn't happen. But one of the things that Marge uh, seemed to happen is she developed ways of getting the basic information across much more quickly. So that by the late 80s, people were making changes much, much faster. Everything was kind of speeded up. And there was a, there was a certain dropout aspect to that. There were some people who really um, couldn't keep up with that or it was just too much for them. Although the system was always very open to newcomers. But I think everything went a lot faster well, you know, this kind of goes back to our discussion about spirituality. Mm-hmm. Marge really practiced the principles. She and she, we had the benefit of her practice. Absolutely, yeah. And when that happens, people catch on faster. It's an exponential change in consciousness. Yeah, it was pretty and pretty dramatic people, actually. And I just I want to make one more point yeah. about this. People who are stuck in wanting that individual attention or I want her hands more. If you get stuck in that, then you're you are going to drop by the wayside. Yeah, and in fact, uh what happened on at least two or three occasions that I can remember is that someone would show up from the past. And someone who perhaps had studied with Marge in the 70s, mm-hmm. now 10, 12 years later, they come. And sometimes that was just fine. But sometimes they would be kind of upset and wanting her to teach the way she used to. And um, I, I saw that on a number of occasions. And I remember thinking, that's that's too bad because really what you're getting now is like what you used to 3.0 or 4.0 it's much yeah. much more powerful uh yes teaching because method. the more delicate the more subtle the more powerful exactly uh, yeah we i well uh anything else you want to mention no i think we, we get, I, I, think I think we've gotten into some pretty uh wonderful ground here yeah, Marge was uh, uh, Marjorie Barstow was a, a very special teacher, and um, we were very lucky. We were all of us incredibly fortunate to to find out about her. Yes. So uh, my guest today has been Joni Mercer, who's like myself has been a long time long time student of Marjorie Barstow of Lincoln, Nebraska. And Joni uh, lives and teaches in Austin, Texas. She's been a teacher for uh, over 35 years. Joni, thanks so much for this. And Robert, thank you so much.